2: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: pause of friday uh, i have to say uh keep the suggestions coming for a different type of headgear to uh, be donning over the next few months some uh some good suggestions some that uh you know, I politely say uh, pound sand, too, and, uh, with a smile on my face. But uh, the humor is good. It's much needed. Much needed today. So we like it. Uh, welcome back to The Gregor Show, presented, as always, by PlayAlberta.ca. Alberta's only regulated online gambling website. Uh, and, hey, it's not just gambling. You just want to uh, get some lighter. And, by the way, the orders are still a favorite at PlayAlberta.ca tomorrow night against Seattle. So, hey, they still have faith. Do you? We'll see. We will see. Let's get to the spec report now, brought to you by GS Construction. They have faith in their ability to get the construction done. I know sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but you got to be patient. Go through those construction zones with caution so they all get home safe. It's a reminder from GS Construction, as uh, Mark Spector joins us uh, in Seattle. Spec, the the Edmonton order is a day after foof. Man, just when you think it's rock bottom, well, they keep dropping. Uh, they lose to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, they let the Sharks score three times for only the uh, third time, uh, second time this season. The order another game where they can only score two goals. Uh, their power play shoots blanks early in the game, and then an unbelievable opportunity to tie the game late. I want to start there, and then we'll get some other stuff. But, man, this power play is out of sync. The lack of confidence from their offensive players is jarring right now.
3: Yeah, it's confidence, right? And you know what? I've never seen Connor McDavid go through one of these things for so long, and I've never seen Leon Draisaitl go through one of these things for so long, and they're doing it at the same time. Here's one for you: You want to find Connor McDavid in the scoring race? You got to go to the third page on NHL.com. I know he's 109th <laughs> in the scoring race. So that's a metaphor for what's going on here. They're they're stuck at two, Jay. They get 20 shots, they score twice. They get 50 shots, they score twice. That's what's going on here. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they're built to allow one a night, are they? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we trying to tell jokes now? Uh what a period. Yeah, sure. Um No, like and and here's the thing spec about cuz I know there's lots of talk last I know oh, they're going to fire Jay Woodcroft. and no, I was the bottom of the barrel. I, I honestly right after the game it's like, "Fire what is firing Jay Wood and by the way, not that he's above uh you know being better cuz I think there's areas he needs to be better as a coach. But to me, the, the orders problems that we're seeing now are problems we've seen before. We saw them under Todd McClellan at times. We've seen them under, T- uh, uh, Dave Tippett at times. And now they're back again with Jay Woodcroft. It's the same problem, Spec, when they, they, they'll play like Darnell Nurse last night's a prime example. Through the first two periods, Darnell Nurse was the best player on the orders and arguably the best player on the ice. He scored a great goal. He made great defensive plays. He's using his speed. He's using his reach. He's using his body. Like, wow, look at this guy. He was really controlling the game. And then in the third period, he has the puck at the blue line and Ryan McLeod is wide open in the left corner. Now he's not a dangerous place to score, but he's wide open. A nurse doesn't pass it to him and Alex yep. then to try to spin off, gets forced to the boards. They turn it over two, two on one. They score. There was no reason at 18 and a half minutes to try to make that play. None. Yep. And this is exactly what Ekholm talked about and told everybody at the start of the year spec. What do they have to do? They have to re- you can't win the game every shift. Just play even and be like, okay, Darnell, you played great. Just put that puck in the corner. Who knows what happens? Maybe they cycle it. Maybe it comes back. You never know. But we know what happened, and that cost them the game. And that that ruins that play was so egregious that it kind of wipes out all the good plays beforehand.
3: Oh, sure it does. Listen, and you got two guys who've been playing that game this season, right? If it's not Nurse making that play last night, it's Bouchard making the play the night before, right? Every second night, one of your top two of your four top four defensemen are making an egregious play that costs you a almost free goal that's generally, uh, you know, an impossible save for your goaltender. And that's how you give up three or four or five every night. And you know what else never happens, uh, Jason? None of those guys ever miss a shift when that happens, right? Nurse no. never misses a shift, and Bouchard never misses a shift. So now Holloway makes a bad play, and they staple him to the pine, and he's looking around and going, well, hold on. Yeah. I made one bad play. and Bouchard yeah. go at it every night. It's like a contest for these two guys. Mm-hmm. So you know what? You said that, you know, I wrote today. I'm on record, man. I wrote today. It's Jay's work here is done, in my opinion. He's coached his team in the 32nd place, ball, uh, Jay. I don't, I don't know what... Now what? We're going to try to get him to coach it back up to fifties. like, you tell me what you do around here, but uh, uh, there's a lot of things that are wrong. You know, they don't have depth players. All of a sudden, they're top two guys. Every coach falls in the trap, right? Every time they need help, put 97 and 29. All of a sudden, now 97 and 29 aren't going so good, and they look around and say, okay, boys, let's get a little help here. And all the guys say, well, what do you mean? Right. I've been my feet are cold. I never get to play. I'm on the bench. So, you know what? They're reaping what they've sold around here for a while, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, and last night I thought Holloway, Fogle and Drysaddle were going. Why the hell did you split them up? Right. And so I think the coach isn't helping himself now. And I'm not a, if they want to fire the coach. I have no issue if they fire the coach. It doesn't it doesn't change my life. I like Jay and I get along fine. You know what? Uh, he'll be fine right You're getting paid out. It's just part of the business. Coaches are hired to be fired. But if yeah. a new coach comes in, unless a new coach comes in and reads the ride act and the and the first game, you know, benches a guy to get their attention because it's not just nurse and Bouchard. I can go down the list. There's lots of other guys, but those are the guys this week for sure that, that have done it. And, um, it's a problem. And so I, I don't, and, but the thing is, Spec, if you have to rely on a coach, right? Laurie Ann Munzer's Olympic, uh, I want to get her exact quote because I asked her about it. Um, it comes from within first, that motivation. You can be motivated, inspired by others, a coach, but if there's no desire, there's no fire. It's about doing more. It isn't about doing more. It's about doing what is necessarily what is necessary regularly. The coach can help, but the leaders in the room have to set the standard, and the players themselves have to set it. And right now, Speck, the player standard, whatever it is, is way too low. The player I don't standard. know what
3: it is. Yeah, What's the standard? I don't know. What's the standard, right? That's a good question. I mean, well, we don't know because we're not in the room. I've asked Connor McDavid, the team captain, that question face-to-face, and he ensures me that there is a standard you know, accountability in that room. And they talk a lot about all the important things. And I have no reason not to believe Conor McDavid, right? I'm not going to call Conor McDavid a liar. That's what he says. So, you know, then when the game starts and, you know, guys stop moving their feet or guys make that that uh, suicide pinch we've been watching all year that causes the three-on-two that ends up in your net, like, it's not up to the players to bench that but to, to chastise that player frankly that's why you pay a coach right i mean sure the players can have their say but you've heard it a million times jay the only currency the coach has is ice time and he keeps giving it to the guy making the mistake whatever his name is and generally when the when the depth guy makes the mistake he pays the price and when the star guy makes the mistake there's no price to pay so i'm not sure i'm with you on that
1: Well, I think that you don't think it comes from the players first. Of course it does. It can't just be on the coach because at the end of the day, spec, the coach isn't on the ice making the decisions. It's the players who make the decisions. Now the coach can bench guys, sure, but you you can't bench guys all the time, right? Eventually the players, like you talked about. I've had has he benched Bouchard once? No, tell me all the time. No, no, no. no. I'll settle for for once. I agree with you wholeheartedly. No, I, I I think that's the biggest flaw from Jay Woodcroft is he hasn't like Ryan Husk is a rookie head coach, spec. Yeah. Look at in right. Columbus. Johnny Gaudreau, a rookie head coach, benched him in the first ten games of a season. Right. Yeah. John uh, Huberto being benched in the first twelve games of a season? And no offense That's to right. uh, Evan Bouchard, he's not Huberto or Johnny Gaudreau. He doesn't have the track nope. record of either one of those two guys. So, it. I and and not even Woodcroft. Like even Dave Manson maybe like that surprises me a little bit. Like I asked Charlie mm-hmm. honey about the, how that relationships works. And, uh, you know what? Uh, he said, use you as a coach, but there were times where he would go over to McTavish and say, Hey man, I'm going to sit this guy down. Are you okay? And Charlie brought up a good point. He said, Hey, I was the assistant coach. I didn't have to go talk to the media when they asked him, why'd you bench a guy? So, If I was going to do it, I had to be pretty solid in why I was doing it, and the coach obviously had to agree with me. And he said the few times he did it, McTavish had no problem with it, right? Right. Um So it is something that, like, to me, the coaches, country club is way too uh, hyperbole to use, so I don't want to use that. But I think the lack of accountability in the room from players and coaches alike spec isn't high enough.
3: That's I'm not going to disagree with you. This is the team. So, so these are the hard things, Jason. These are the hard things around a team, right? A coach who, you know, calling people to account, holding people to account. Those are the difficult, hard, crappy parts about being a pro athlete. Is it comes to your doorstep eventually? All every guy has the time when he gets held accountable, and no one likes that. But it makes you better, you know. And listen. on the ice, this is a soft team. On the ice, this is a team that loses its net front because it plays defensively soft. Mm-hmm. On the ice, this is a team with guys up front who are, you know, soft players, man. A lot of them are certainly a handful of them. Uh, so all around this organization, the theme is, hey, let's not hurt anybody's feelings here. We need a little hard in this organization. And it's, it goes to accountability and it goes to the net front. And it goes to at the end of a game where you're getting creamed and Connor McDavid is the only guy putting a glove in anybody's face, right? All of those areas. And I think that comes again. All of that comes back to your head coach and your leadership group. Those guys have to instill some of that, and I don't think they've done a good job of it.
1: What do you think about going tomorrow? Is there any chance that uh, we see Pickard in that?
3: No. Okay. I don't think so. I mean, Skinner had absolutely zero chance on all three goals. So, you know, had he played poorly? Yes. Uh, he didn't play poorly.
1: What about, uh, what are you hearing on Brown and Yanmark? Where are they
3: at? Uh, Brown's not that as close as Yanmark. Yanmark's closer.
1: Okay. Um, uh, your colleague, uh, Elliot Friedman, uh, had uh, mentioned... Ooh. He thought that the Oilers were very close to a goalie deal on Wednesday and then uh, that's what he said. It didn't happen. Um any uh, any guesses on who that is the, from the East? You know,
3: we've been here we've been hearing about Boston cuz they have two. You know, you just have to think of teams with two goalies. You know, I know this uh the Soros talk, he is an exceptionally expensive goaltender, Soros. I'm told I'm told New, uh, Nashville turned down three first-round picks for Soros at the deadline last year. So think of what the equivalent of three first-rounders is from Edmonton. Uh, so I don't know, Jay. I, you know what? I think they're looking. I think they'll end up with a, a guy that can share the net with Skinner. I do not see them bringing in a number one goaltender here. I just don't think you can find one and afford one.
1: Yeah, no, hey, they're hard to find, no question. And uh, you know, sometimes you, you have to try to unearth the one that people were didn't know they were there, right? There's that's there's
3: the Kiprasoft tree, Yeah, right? Like
1: those are hard to find, but they we've seen it before, so well. That's well, more luck though than anything else probably, <laughs> right? So.
3: Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's like Like look at That's like saying guys win the lottery all the time. No they don't. One guy wins it once in his life.
4: Yeah. No.
1: Well, there's a few people who have actually won the lottery twice, crazy enough. I, I've okay. saw it, watched the documentary. It is it is weird, though, that they've done it. But, you like, look at Aiden Hill in, in Vegas. Or look at Aiden Hill in Vegas. Now, we can say they got a good system, sure, but he's still got to make the saves sometimes, and some of them, hey, he made a few big saves on the orders in that series, right? So, you know what, he's... It, a system helps for sure. So then you don't call upon the guy to be left out to dry yeah. all the time. But so, so that would help and you can get another goalie. Cause right now they're just, there's some saves that they needed more from their goalies last night. Wasn't the example, but uh, definitely in previous games this year. And you know, they take on a Seattle team tomorrow spec who is not lighting it up offensively by any stretch of the imagination, but they just beat Colorado. And the one thing that they do is they come at you hard and in waves. And I'm curious, like, like the orders, the only way to get out of this spec is with dogged determination. And, and you know, they, they can't be pouting like woe is me isn't going to help them at all. And last night at times I saw a little bit of woe is me. I didn't see a lot of extra bodies crashing in on Mackenzie Blackwood.
3: Well, Connor McDavid said to me today, he said, look, I don't know. You know we were talking about how they're stuck at two, right? Like I said, they get 30 shots, they get two. They get 50 shots, they score two. He says, I don't know when this ends and I don't know how to get out of it. But he says, the only thing I do know is if you don't do the work and you don't have the determination and you don't keep plugging away, if you let your foot off the gas or any of that, it won't happen. You won't come back, right? So that's all we know is you work and work and work and work and you wait for the. Uh, that's where they're at now, you know. That's where they're at. I mean, look at Leon and Connor can you believe those guys? The, the lack of production—we've never seen that from them. When does it end? They don't even know when it ends. How are we, you, and me, supposed to know when it ends?
1: <laughs> Touche on that one. Other um, <laughs> uh, other kind of news and notes. You know, like you look at other teams that are struggling. Edmonton's obviously, uh, you know, the, the biggest struggle uh, for sure. Uh, there, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Toronto, you know, Klingberg, uh, you know, suddenly has an injury I don't know if it's an injury slash a healthy scratch, but either one. Uh, he is out, you know, Ottawa is not playing at the level uh that they want, uh, you know, Minnesota is, is struggling, Nashville, and that's the other goalie spec. I've always, I, and I said this last year, and I wrote it in the summer, if the orders were ever going to make the splash in the goalie, UC Sar- if I'm going all in on anybody spec, that's the guy I'm going all in on. I'm just, I'm curious if Nashville, I thought moving at was a little bit of a start of a retool for them. Uh UC Saros has one year left on his deal. But they're in the basement right now. They're tied with Chicago. I wonder what it would take to squeeze UC Saros. Because I, think, I still think Edmonton isn't ready to give up on their season at all. And so no, they're not. Right, I think they're going to take a few big swings if they can. That's the biggest swing. And I think of all the goalies spec around, that's the guy I would look at.
4: Okay, but
3: I think I just said to you what the cost was at the deadline last year. Uh, for UC Soros, three first-round picks, and they turned it down. Yeah, wow. (laughs) But but
1: that was last year, right? And now he has less time, right? So now it's one less playoffs, right? Now it might only be two first-rounders.
3: Well, I mean, I guess, you know what, the the, the problem, a lot of the issue, there's so many issues. Um, In season, those trades are so complicated because uh, I don't even know what Soros makes but you got to clear that cap room, right? Uh, you have to, you know, they, they're not taking Campbell back, so you're stuck with him. Uh, it's, hey, I guess I'd say to you, they're paying Ken Holland $5 bucks a year to make these deals. So mm-hmm. get out there and make the deal, right? 100%. Right? That's what they pay him to do. Yeah. Uh, that would be a giant sacrifice to get UC Soros. It would, it, would they give up for... Eckholm, Josh, Picks, and Reed Schaefer, um, it would be more for Soros. So say goodbye to Holloway for sure, (laughs) you know, and and say goodbye to a couple of first-round picks and uh, probably something else in there, I would say to you. Would you do it? Well, you got to know what I'm giving up. I'd do everything to get a goalie here. You know, the the, the the Campbell contract, Jason, I wrote a piece today. It's up now, and I don't, you know, I'd love people to read it. Uh, I banged it off in the plane. I just, I couldn't, it just came out of my brain in terms of what's wrong with this team, and I settle on this. The Campbell contract is so crippling. Like, it will go down on the epitaph of Holland, of Ken Holland, and Brad Holland, their eyes and ears in Toronto, uh, who likely should have known more about this player. It is crippling. It's the most important position on your team. It's five million bucks for a guy who can't play in the league barely. Mm-hmm. Like it's killing them that contract. Yeah, it's it Cal
1: is, Peterson is exactly what it is. It's the exact same contract. It's
3: just yeah. killing them. Mm-hmm.
1: But, but longer, right?
3: Well, no, Cal, no,
1: Cal Peterson, Peterson is five a years? yes. And anyway. they got and they got out of that deal spec for a second rounder. So you know what? I don't know how they did it, but they did it right. And he went to Philadelphia. So, um, there's There's gotta be more to that. (laughs) How
3: much was left on it when they traded him? Um,
1: I'll look at it. I think he's got three years, right? I will look at it right now in, in Philly. I don't
3: think it was a five year contract. Was it?
1: Maybe four, maybe four. I don't think it was a five,
3: but I mean, the point is this, it's, 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 handcuffed you at your most important position. Yeah, yeah, And you I think we've learned here in Edmonton that it doesn't matter if you got the two best players in the world. Yeah. It's all the stuff around it that's going to get you over the top. What's the contract? Yeah, he
1: had 2 years left when the trade happened. Great right? because okay. he got traded last year and this summer it would be 3. So he had two years left when the uh, the trade happened, and um, right. So yeah, so was it was a three-year deal. Yeah, it was a three-year deal. So yeah, it didn't okay. work out right away. Well, but even if they got out of it, like so, getting out of it after two years of five, and getting out of it one year after three, you know, splitting hairs, they both suck, right? But yeah. they were able to get out of it. And own, now they had to throw in another player, but it only cost him a second rounder. So, um, you're Ken Holland. Um, you, I think Jack Campbell, I said, I wrote it earlier today. I said, people think they're going to trade Jack Campbell during the season. I like, God love you. I just don't think that's no, plausible. Not I, during the season. I, I think it's a, it's a deal that happens in the summertime or you buy him out. That's, those are or the only two options. But, yeah. uh, when you look like to, to me, I'm going to say, Hey guys, here's Cal Peterson. We'll, we'll give you, you know what? It was a second. We'll give you a first, which still sucks, but. I guess you can get out of it if you have to, because another buyout is 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 less than ideal. Especially now, here's the other thing, Spec, because we got a lot of and we got to go, but we have a lot about Curtis Brown. People saying they got to send him to the minors because you know that 3.25 bonus kicks in his next game. I totally understand it, but I think the orders are still believing the season isn't a complete wash. Yes, I can... they are. Yeah, so yes, I think they're they gonna pl- I think they're gonna play him, but yeah. if at the deadline, Spec. They're not in it. That's when I could see them moving Warren Fogle. You try to move out Cody Cece because then the bonus overages you can use this year, and it doesn't count for next year.
3: Yeah. Okay. That's a that's smart, smart thinking. I mean, that, I'm not going to tell you that was ever in Ken Holland's plan because did not plan on being a seller at the deadline. But yeah. But you have to pivot. And here's here's the last thing. And then yeah, we'll we'll go to break. Here's the last thing for me. I'm going to question uh, a lot of people talking online about, oh, don't fire Woodcroft, fire uh, Holland. Well, firing a GM midseason doesn't do anything for me. Like, it doesn't give you any coach bump. It doesn't change your team. It doesn't, there's nothing, it, do, it doesn't help me make the playoffs, in my opinion. But I'll say this I know there's concern in the Orders organization. Uh, this is the last year Holland's deal. I believe everybody thought, including you, know, you and I and Kenny, that he's probably walking away after this year, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. But now that it's going sideways, I think there's some some questions about: Is this? Do we let Ken Holland put him in charge of shaping the future here, or do we kind of say, you know what, this is Jeff Jackson's deal, right? I'm I'm not sure that if it goes what you just talked about, let's say the orders are done and the deadline comes and they got to do a bunch of selling, I'm not sure Ken Holland's going to be the guy doing that selling, Jake. Well
1: I, I, well, I don't. I think any move right now. Is going to have to have the approval of Jeff Jackson, 100%. Oh, big time. Yeah, I wrote, time. wrote that earlier. I think that's yeah. like he's the CEO; he'd have to anyway. Um, I would think, but yeah, yeah for sure. It's,
3: it's um, Holland's and, on an expiring contract.
1: Yeah, that's just the way it is. And I also should mention, spec—they got a second, but they did retain on Provorov, right? Two mils. So that was the other part of the deal. So I, I was looking up the trade. I was like, yeah, that's still too sweet, but uh, so you can do it. You know, and and didn't—he's not even playing in LA, but they're, they're, they retained some of his salary. Right, uh, that okay. was that was the other part of that deal. So, uh, okay. so, but all I'm saying is, the trades we have seen lots of guys people thought would never be able to get traded. Oh, you got to buy this guy out, and then, mm-hmm. and we've seen seven or eight or nine of them over the years get traded. So it could happen. Jack Campbell you know figured it out it if you're the happen. Edmonton owners, you you made an error. There's no one debates that, right? It hasn't worked out, right? Unless Jack Campbell oh, like, oh, like last night was not a good start for him. Like who knows? Maybe he's a miracle worker, but I'm I'm not holding yeah. my breath. So. Uh, no, nope. they gotta, they gotta do something, spec. And uh right now, I'm not overly confident that it'll like it'll happen tomorrow. So if they lose tomorrow, I I think then, you know, some people say, well, why'd you wait? But you know, I think with every loss, the uh the odds of Jay Woodcroft uh, leaving become infinitely higher. Like I'm talking, like okay, maybe it was twenty percent he gets fired, now it jumps up to forty percent. Right? I think <laughs> the next game it jumped. Like I think yeah. that's how quickly it's going to jump up with every mounting loss.
3: Hey. I, I said my piece in the paper today, so uh, I'm with you all the
1: way. Spec, enjoy Seattle. We'll talk to you
4: uh,
1: on Monday. All right, thanks, Jay. Have a great weekend, everybody. There you go. That is Mark Specter. Uh, hey boys, if you can trade you contracting, trade anyone. Well, they got James Neal, and uh, basically it was the same. It was a swap, right? And then they end up buying out James Neal. So you can trade guys if you're willing to do it. There's no question about that. But so I, you can't. Our trades hard. Of course they're hard, but. You got to figure it out. Lots of hard trades have been made over time. That's to me is that's not a that's not a fair viable answer. Yes, trades are hard. We all know it. Thanks, but they still get made. Come back. your uh, Gretz will join us on Sports fourteen forty. We roll through pause of Friday and the Jason Greger Show on Sports fourteen forty, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. As always, thanks for uh, tuning in. You can text us, 833-401-1440 in our Jiffy Lube inboxes. It's time for Wanye's uh, World, brought to you by Action Electrical, where they just celebrated their 50th year, and they always evolve, they always change, uh, now have a huge solar division for both residential and commercial. And did you know the uh, federal government, you can get up to 40K 10-year interest-free loan from the uh, Canadian government if you're looking to do some solar for your business. And uh, for your residents, uh, $5,600 in grant. Free money as well. They can help you out. ActionElectrical.net. Wanye well, yeah, Gretz, a uh, little under the weather. So uh, joining us over the phone today, being a good teammate. Not coming in and spreading the illness all around. But teammate, the, Are, are you just... Like,
0: actually taking taking wanye jr we're heading north away from oilers hockey away from sports radio we're going to live way up north in the arctic circle where there's no electricity and that's how i'm going to raise my son
1: well i, I knew you were taking a bat but i knew you were that like you were so sick of the order's performance that you had to get out of town
0: i had to fake a fake an injury and then get out of town there's no other there's no plan b at this point yeah.
1: Um, the Evanson orders, well, I don't know what plan B is. Uh, they might be on plan D or F at, at this point because uh, it has not, uh, it has not worked. If you were the GM and you've ran a few companies in your time, if you were the GM, what, what's the realistic path you would consider at this point?
0: I think you got to take a look at the bigger picture. Like this is a very shocking turn of events as I'm sure you've discussed at length and the plan has gone very, very badly. And I think you got to take a look and see, like, is it realistic? What is a realistic outcome for the remainder of this season? And I don't think it's too soon to think with, who, you know, your 1A goalie in the AHL and your other goalie looking to replace. Like, maybe the others, I don't know, maybe they can't make the playoffs this year. And if that's the case, the old game plan is going to have to go out the window. We're going to see how we we need to do this with grace.
1: Yeah, I definitely don't think they're there yet. That's for sure. I I think they still believe it's 12 games of a season and, uh, you know, I looked at the numbers last year. So they, they you can rationalize with yourself to say, I don't believe our team is this bad. So 40 wins, 20 losses, 10 overtime losses, that gets us 95 points. That gets you in the playoffs in the last 70 games. It's actually a lower winning percentage and lower points percentage than they did in the last 60 games last year when they were red hot to get to 109 points. So, you know, but eventually you have to win one game, right? I just, I look at the game tomorrow, like every game right now, is especially every loss, I I think just ratchet is up the urgency. And they might, and so that urgency might lead to either a coach firing, which I don't necessarily agree with, or trying to make a significant trade. And that to me is the risky part, right? Like firing a coach, you can say we bring in another coach or whatever, (laughs) but you make a big deal, Wanye, that, you know, it's got some long-term ramifications. You better damn well be right that it's the right one.
0: Right. And we can't be panicking and making a panic deal because the rest of the league looks at Everton right now and knows we're in a bad spot. So player values aren't going to be great right now. And if we do some crazy deal that doesn't solve the problem and you know gets rid of draft picks or gets rid of a good player, I think making that move in haste can make a bad situation even worse.
1: Oh, 100%. And that's going to be, to me, the biggest challenge for them is to not allow their impatience... To lead to like, because you know Connor McDavid said, "Oh, it's death by a thousand cuts." Well, you make another trade now that limits you even further, because you know the Connor Brown thing might come back to bite you significantly, depending on how the season goes or not. Right? Um, you know, if they're out of it, then maybe you can save some cap space, so there's not as much bonus overages for next year. That's the only saving grace there. But so I, I think there's there's a lot at stake here, and I know that the owner. Is uh is somebody who doesn't believe in necessarily being patient, right? It's his team, so I'll be curious to see just kind of how much heat gets turned up here in the next six, like in the next week. Because even if they win against Seattle, right, or or beat the Islanders, I don't think that two wins suddenly calms everything in Edmonton.
0: I don't think that they brought in Jackson to be the end of the Connor McDavid era. I think they brought him in to extend the Connor McDavid era, and I think he came on board during a time where everything was kind of good and everybody was happy. And I think now he's going to have a little bit of a trial by fire, and we're going to see what his plan is for this team.
4: Yeah,
1: well, that, that, and you're right, right? Because we don't really know Jeff Jackson's approach. He has lots of experience in the game as a former player. He was an assistant GM, right? He was an agent. He's been around, but we don't, we don't really know, kind of, you know, what his his plan will be. So I'm kind of curious to be honest, to see what direction he goes. I think
0: it might be decisions by committee, right? Like they're obviously going to sit down and have a conversation. He and Ken Holland and potentially Connor and whoever else in the leadership group. And I think we're going to see him start to make decisions during his era. Remember when, uh, who was it that was assessing the team? Which GM was it? Was it Tambellini that was assessing oh, the that, team? Oh,
1: wow, that was And it went on good.
0: and on and on. Well, I think Jeff Jackson's honestly been assessing the team since he got here, and now it's time to put some sort of plan in place.
1: It is fascinating to, you know what, and you're right off the top that uh, no one envisioned this type of start for the Edmonton owners. And so that's where... I believe patience and leadership comes in, but also to me, the players need to do a hard, deep internal dive and say our level, our standard, whatever it is, isn't high enough because they continually to make the same mistakes and they haven't learned from it. They can't make the, the high risk, low reward play that they continue to try to make.
0: I learned a lot earlier while I was watching the show on YouTube because I wasn't able to come on the show, so I thought I'd do the next best thing and watch on TV. That story you told about your Daytona, that was crazy new information to me, Gregor. I think the, the point that you made about you have to want to be better mm-hmm. is a very valid point in this instance. Like, as, as angry as Oilers fans are, the Oilers themselves need to be angrier, right? They need to decide that this isn't the road they want to go down this season.
1: It's very true. Wanya, we appreciate it, buddy, under uh, tough circumstances, so uh, we will chat with you next Friday.
0: Appreciate you making time. I'll be there next week, unless I live in Alaska. We'll just see which way this goes.
1: All right, uh, that's uh, Juan Gretz from uh, Oilers Nation, and it is one. Uh, he was a lot calmer than I was expecting. I thought he was just going to be fire right up, but you know what? Uh, it's got the, maybe it's because the little guys around. So that's totally valid. Uh, Jay Woodcroft will uh, be with us next. Uh, what did the head coach have to say about his team? And I really, the one thing I think we have to stop talking about really is how they played last year doesn't matter. That's six months ago. Right. How are you playing last night? How did you play Monday? That is significantly more relevant. And the truth is not good enough. Right. You can't keep relying on last year and how they played because last year doesn't matter. They're not playing like they did last year. If you're saying we're capable of it, sure, but until you show you're capable of it this year, then you're not capable of it. Come back on the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca, live in the Ewell Studios.
5: We are back here on the Jason Gregor Show, brought to you by Play Alberta. Connor Halley sitting in for this final segment as uh, Gregor off to coach the kids. Uh, lots to get to still, though. We are uh, going to take your text. one 401 We're going to talk a little bit about the UFC. Of course, UFC 295 gets going tomorrow night. So Declan Kruger, our very own, will join us to discuss that. But very quickly here, we want to go in the room. Brought to you by NextGen Transportation. Check them out at nextgentransportation.com. New platform trailers have arrived and are ready for work. Thanks to all their team who helped them through a very busy summer. And Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft spoke to to the media today we'll get to a, a portion of that right now jay vander called it maybe best practice of the year he felt like passes were crisp and i know it wasn't a long one
1: but it, what, it, what was your sense being out there on the guys engagement and, and trying to get everything right
6: how we you go what we needed today we had a good meeting and uh, good skate and
1: guys were buzzing jay mentally when you have a setback like last night and you focus on the day's business what does the day's business look like in that dressing room this,
6: today, you were talking about? Well, you know, what I think we uh, we review last night. We review where we're at with our team game, and then uh, you go down to work. winner or lose the game, it doesn't matter. We get back down to work and take care of our business, and our guys did a, a good job of that today, and we're looking forward to bringing that kind of spirit into uh, tomorrow night's game.
0: So in a practice like today, where Vander said it was sharp, What are the things that you look at as a coach that makes you say, like, okay, maybe there's some things that you're noticing differently or you do not really read that deep into it?
6: You know what? For me, it was, you know, where our headspace is at. Obviously, no one likes – waking up and looking at the standings and where our team's at right now but it's an understanding that there's some work to do and and we went out and we diligently went through making sure we took care of our business today and you know it was sharp it was crisp it was a uh it was a good skate in watching that game over from last night, did it reaffirm or change any opinions you had? No, I think it, you know what we felt on first viewing uh, up close uh, at ice action. Um, it it matched what we saw in the video. You know, there were some good parts of the game, but certainly some areas that have to get cleaned up. And and uh, you know, when you're not outscoring your mistakes. Uh, and they end up in the back of your net. You got to make sure you're limiting the mistakes. Speaking of not of scoring mistakes, some of the yep. guys after the game were kind of flummoxed by just the fact that the offense is where it is. What do you see in that? That's a fight? good word, flummoxed, eh? Yeah. 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 Um, I, don't I don't know. You didn't know you know how to spell that, DJ? Did <laughs> I, I might not? Um, so sorry. What was the question?
2: <laughs> no. Uh, just, just how do you how do you explain the offense? How do you how do you kind of get it back to where you were one year?
6: Well, last year we were, I think we're the the number one team. An offense in the in the league. It didn't start that way. It grew into that over time. I think we had all 12 forwards uh, when we traded for Bugstad. All finished with double-digit goals, career years out of a lot of people. Um, we did a lot of good things. This year, it seems like uh, getting to three goals is a challenge for us uh, early in the year. Um, I think you worry when you're not creating the scoring chances. Um, But for me, uh, if you look up what we're creating, how we're finishing, I think the finish can improve. It's not nearly good enough, but uh, for us, finish sometimes just happens based on volume. Um, You know, for me we got to take care of the other side of things first. I wonder from the offensive side of the uh, just what's more concerning? The, the, maybe the
0: top guys are struggling right now or the bottom guys in the lineup have a lot of goose eggs next, next to their name?
6: Well, I think uh, what's concerning is that we haven't scored enough goals to win. Um, two seems to be our number of late, and we're capable of better. It starts with good power plays. It starts with making sure you're finding second and third efforts around the other team's goaltender, not uh, allowing another team's goaltender uh, to be first star. Um, and there's some things that you can do uh, t- to make sure that you're taking care of that for us. Um, but I, you're going to the offensive side, certainly an area we want to improve. But when it's not going your way. Yeah you got to make sure that you limit the, the stuff that is going the other way.
5: There you go. That is Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft speaking to the media down in Seattle. Of course, the Oilers are set to take on the Kraken tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. If you're looking for some pre- and post-game coverage, might I recommend Oilers Nation? Pre-gaming with Boardsy, and then Oilers Nation after dark. I believe Gavin Turnick will be along and I will be as well. I used to host uh, the post-game show there, Oilers Nation After Dark, and uh, happy to hop on with those guys tomorrow night. Oilers cracking. Hopefully hopefully I can bring some uh, good luck, because they had a lot of success last year when we started that show. Uh, once we got in the playoffs, it changed, obviously, but uh, we got to get the good juju going once again. So we'll, we'll get to that uh, later on tomorrow night. If you want to stop in right now, we're going to talk a little UFC 295 with our... Digital producer, you know him from the lowdown with Low Tide, which you can hear here on Sports 1440 Monday through Friday from, uh, I guess, noon to 2. And I have to actually take over the the work here on your side, Declan. So uh, you want to pop your mic on there. The volume's up. Let's see. Okay, we nailed it. We, Do we have we, me? we got you here. Right, That's awesome. Perfect. Okay, Declan, two ninety five UFC. Uh, obviously, John Jones was the big name in this one. Going back to up like a couple weeks ago, he pulls out, things go wrong. Uh, give us a little backstory on that, and who's going to be replacing that fight?
2: Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, it was John Jones. He was set to fight Steve Miocic. John Jones, by all accounts, the greatest mixed martial, martial artist of every time, but he's relatively green in the heavyweight division. He was fighting a guy in Steve Miocic who is. Thought by many, myself included, to be the best heavyweight of all time. It's his natural division. He's had a lot of success there. Two-time champion, defended the belt more times than anyone else. But he's 40 years old. He hadn't fought since since March of 2021 when he had his head knocked into orbit by Francis Ngannou. He was set to fight John Jones, and it was the goat of the weight class at the heaviest, the baddest weight class versus the goat of the sport. John Jones gets injured, has to pull out. Stipe Miocic was not, from what I heard, he was not offered to fight any of, either of the replacement guys coming in. He was pulled from the card completely, so now... We get Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Pavlovich. Sergey Pavlovich is a guy who has one loss in his entire career. His only loss was his UFC debut against a very seasoned Alistair Overeem. He just took him down, controlled him on the ground, ended up stopping him with elbow strikes. It was a wake-up call for Sergey Pavlovich. He's fighting a guy in Tom Aspinall, who is maybe, maybe one of the best British MMA fighters we've ever seen. Now he's only one and one in his last two, and you're gonna look at that and maybe raise your eyebrows a little bit. But that one loss it was just a knee injury. He tore his ACL earlier in the fight, and you know officially it's ruled as a TKO by doctor stoppage. So Tom Aspinall, one of the most gifted heavyweights when it comes from when it comes to a technical standpoint, he's incredibly fast with his head movement. He's got, he's got great feet. He mixes everything up very well. But he's fighting the guy with the X, X factor. He's fighting the guy who can knock anybody on the world out And Sergey Pavlovich It's going to be
5: fireworks when those two meet in the middle And they've slid down into the co-main to help save the card no. Declan, this is going to be held at UFC 295 New York Madison Square Garden Always a big deal uh, Any other fights in the card that... Have your attention so far now?
2: Yeah, so I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the main a main event. It's Yuri Prohaska, former light heavyweight champion. He's taking on Alex Pereira, the former middleweight champion for the light heavyweight championship of the world. Yuri Prohaska was the light heavyweight championship champion, excuse me. After only three fights in the UFC, he tore his shoulder, had to take some time to step out for a little bit. The belt was vacated. It was won won by a guy named Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill then, in turn, got injured and had to vacate the belt as well. So the belt is once again vacant jiri prohaska is back from injury it's been about a 17th month layoff with no fights he's back in and he's going to fight a guy in alex Pereira, who is the former middleweight champion only has one fight in the ufc light heavyweight division but he's stepping in he beat Jan blach which his last time out he's coming in there with a incredibly cred- credentialed kickboxing record two-time glory two division glory kickboxing champion just a phenomenal guy i always say and i'll make this quick <laughs> when people think they're think of the UFC as a casual fan what they really are is a stand-up fight fan and this is going to be a stand-up fight fans paradise it's two guys who are incredibly credentialed with their feet incredible Muay Thai incredible kickboxing two guys who can shut
5: each other's lights off it's going to be fireworks Declan you got a response your greatest of all time has Declan never heard of Chael Sonnen Chael Sonnen Yes, he's kind of he's kind of a crazy guy isn't he
2: Chael Sonnen yeah the biggest the biggest arms in Westland Oregon never lost a fight I remember him, like vaguely, vaguely. Did he have like a unique hair or anything? He didn't have unique hair. He looked, he looked very much like an everyman by all accounts. And Chael Sonnen, he 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 fought twice for the middleweight title. He fought once for the light heavyweight title. Lost all three title fights. But this is a guy. He fought Anderson Silva twice. He fought Fedor Emelianenko. He fought John Jones. He has fought the who's who. In the combat sports world One of the greatest characters The sport's ever seen The original Conor McGregor
5: Okay Well was he on uh, Ultimate Fighting Like the,
2: the show The Ultimate Fighter Well you may have Is seen there a, a reason I know him. him Yes you may have seen A clip from him He coached Against Vanderlei Silva mm. Who was the ultimate Fighter Brazil And Vanderlei Kept saying to him What now but now and clapping in his face and then Chael hit him with the legendary quote i can't let you get close gave him a little bit of get a bit of a push Vanderlei came in he shot on him that was all she wrote
5: Uh, great character love it Duncan. thank you so much thank you connor Right now, uh, before we get to break, uh, we will get to a sports center update brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now during the road sales event, you can save up to two twenty five on Select Tires and a bonus of fifty dollars off any service until December sixteenth. Book your appointment at fountaintire.com. Some restrictions apply. Big thank you to everyone who tuned in today. If you missed it, check the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get it from. Make sure you subscribe. We'll talk to you on Monday. Have a great every week, great weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you then.